When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello, so we're back as the season hurtles towards its conclusion. Game week 36 has just ended with the City boys particularly delighting those buying in, uh, whilst leaving more cautious players cursing their conservatism. One of these guys is Nick, who, by all accounts, can point to sleep deprivation from baby Moe's being the root cause of what happened this week. Welcome back, mate. How are you doing? How is everyone? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you, Tom. Glad to be back on the pod. But yeah, like feeling quite uh, sleep deprived, not getting much sleep at the moment, to be honest. Uh, baby Mo's doing fine, but uh, you may hear him interject in the background every now and again during today's show. Hopefully not. But uh, just to say who we are, we are Who Got The Assist. You can find us on Twitter at WGTA and online at whogottheassist.com. Follow us, subscribe and tell your pride if you like what you hear. And uh, yeah, thanks again also for Alex for, for covering me last week. Yeah, thanks, mate. And just to echo our thanks there again to Alex and Tom for last week's pod. Um, so this week, we're very focused on the double game week. Uh, we'll be taking on a few more practical questions um, as managers' minds turn towards the season's climax. We'll talk about the big guns, City and Spurs predominantly, and who the hell we buy, frankly, uh, before moving on to some key men from the more motivated teams ahead of the final double game week to come. We'll then, of course, do our features and answer your questions. Yep, and thanks for all the questions. So um, let's, let's get on with it. Let's talk about this game week. Let's do it quickly. How, how do you get on? Yeah, I, th- I think uh, I've done a bit better than you this week. I, for once, um, you've, uh, yeah, I'm guessing you want to uh, skate over this as quickly as possible. I, I'm on 59 by looks of it. I think, but by all accounts, I've, I've just about kind of beaten the beaten the average by a little bit. I think I'm going to be kind of 230, 220k, something like that. I mean, it's not been the best season for me, let's face it. I'm just hoping that with a triple captain next week, I'm going to be able to propel myself into vague respectability but i haven't been above 200k all season uh what about you mate how's it gone for you i think i already know the answer though yeah pretty poorly to be honest i mean i wish i was kind of like on the pod last week talking about the, um, the great successes of my free hit team that propelled me back into the top 10k but nope it's been a shocker i only got 30 points so i've dropped out of the top 10k again and uh yeah fallen a little bit just it was just a shock all around like you know the likes of Lukaku got injured didn't make the 60 minutes likes of Glenn Murray and William didn't even start Captain Blanks Kane was the only person that scored for my team and, and Lowton picked me up a clean sheet but I should have made some transfers I didn't make any transfers I rolled my transfers after having a successful free hit team I probably should have brought in the likes of Sterling and Jesus who were two of the um, heroes of my free hit team and now uh, I kind of stuck with those pretenders um, Lukaku and uh, and Mares and now and now I'm kind of you know thinking about ushering those guys out the door and I probably should have done it last week backs against the wall in terms of our mini leagues as well because what was about a 70 point um leads reduced to about 30 now which is a bit nerve-wracking I guess I think you should still be okay as long as you don't take a massive hit. As we were saying before we came on, you, you've you been kind of letting the mini league look after itself because you've been assaulting the OR all year. But now you've got to do a little bit of housekeeping in your mini league. Like think a little bit more about the changes you're making. You can't do you know, the minus 12 you were mooting earlier on on Slack, can you really? Because you're going to mm-hmm. give that other person a, a chance to get in on you. Um, 
So, so we talk about double game week then, Nick, and I think the first thing to talk about is is maybe the gap between games quickly. Um, so I posted something on Twitter, and I'm sure other people have done it as well, just to highlight the fact that quite a few teams actually have a very short turnaround between their game week 37 games. Notably, this includes Man City, Arsenal, Chelsea and Swansea and Southampton and Huddersfield as well. Do you think that the fact that the turnaround's going to be quite quick is going to have an impact on things like rotation and players being rested? Are you factoring that into the moves you're making, Nick? I definitely think it's a risk. I haven't really factored it in too heavily. I think it really depends on the managers. We know that these players are, are fit enough to essentially play every three to four days and they don't necessarily need a rest. So you're not going to see teams play necessarily their, their B team because of the rotation. We've seen rotation before and it, it doesn't always impact it. Often it's like the fullbacks, so the guys that get rotated. And you've seen that in likes of Spurs often rotating their fullbacks. But a lot of teams tend to stick with their, their first 11 regardless, especially if they're one of the more motivated teams that we're going to discuss, those that have something still to play for. But I guess the likes of um, City, there is a, a little bit more of a risk. And we talk about it, about how is Pep going to bring out the youngsters and play the youngsters? He hasn't really done that so far, but I'm bringing Sterling in. I've left it a week too late, obviously. But is will he play both games? I don't know for sure because, um, you know, Pep might actually... Now they've won the league, they don't really have anything to play for. Yeah, for sure. But I think that with those fixtures, it's not the case that he's going to be dropping a young player in the middle of a stampede or anything. It's going to be, um, you know, Brahim Diaz or whatever playing Brighton or um, Huddersfield isn't going to be batting an eyelid at that. And you can see kind of a player like Phil Foden, for example, with 4.7 coming in to uh, take over David Silva's mantle, perhaps. And I think that maybe this is a nice kind of, I thought it was worth giving that kind of gap a little bit of a mention before we segue into the main meat of it today, which is about I think Man City and Spurs. Um, I think a lot of people are looking at these both these teams. I think a lot of people probably have Kane, maybe have Ali or Son, and probably uh, have or are looking at Jesus and Sterling. We had a few questions about this as well. So Patrick O'Meara asked, who are the must-haves for the next three game weeks? And I think that pertains to these. And John O'Forward asks, um, who I want to get? I think kind of talking about Spurs and Man City to begin with probably covers off a lot of the players that were eyeing because of those fixtures of a double game week, just in case you didn't know, which I'm sure you do. For Spurs, it is West Brom away and Newcastle at home. And for Man City, it's Huddersfield at home and Brighton at home, which are two ridiculously good fixtures for Man City. So of those teams, Nick, what are you looking at and how are you looking to approach that? Yeah, I mean, at the moment, I'm looking at Manchester City for my transfers. I mean, home matches against Huddersfield at Brighton don't get much easier than that. And then they also finish off with um, an away um, match against Southampton to close the season down. And and I think it would be madness of me to to avoid Manchester City when you see pretty much every other game there. They're thrashing their opponents for 5-0, scoring four goals on your regular basis. And um, I am looking at the attackers instead of the defenders, in defence, I think there's a bit too much rotation. Um, we've even seen sort of the likes of uh, Walker rested and um, Danilo probably is going to get a little bit more game time as well. And Otamendi, uh, Company and Laporte seem to be locked in a, in a regular rotation with Company this time missing out. And it's probably going to be Otamendi or Laporte that only play one game in, over the, uh, the double game week. So the two I'm looking at mostly in transferring in are, um, are Gabriel Jesus and Sterling. I mean, uh, Jesus um, is likely to play every game because um, Aguero is injured and he's now scored in, in the last four games he's played. And I'm, I'm expecting that he's going to continue to score in those next couple of games for sure. And uh, Sterling, he's, he looked incredibly dangerous and that, that was such a hard watch for me with um, his hat-trick yeah. of assists. He could have easily had five or six and a couple of goals as well. West Ham was not able to handle his deliveries into the box. He probably should have won them a penalty um, at one point as well. And just, just the stats on Sterling have just been really impressive recently. I think Jesus, um, his minutes per chance ratio for the last six games has been 29.5. Sterling's been even more impressive. His minutes per chance ratio has been 20.3. And he, he's generating the twice amount of chances that Kane has had, actually. He's really leading the way in terms of his underlying stats. Uh, also creating chances as well. Sterling's created a chance once every 37 minutes compared to um, Harry Kane, who's only created a chance every 70 minutes. So for those who triple captaining, I'm wondering if Sterling's even potential option as a a triple captaincy uh, candidate as well. Otherwise, for City, I mean, I think the likes of KDB are a little bit too expensive for me. And um, Sane's we've seen a bit of rotation for, and, and David Silva, he's he's been given some sort of like personal time off, hasn't he? So he might not play too much. 
Yeah, Sterling and Jesus, I think, are the two who are going to be very widely owned. I mean, the overall ownership stats, I mean, if we believe those, which which I don't, I mean, it's 15% owned for Jesus and 25% owned for Sterling. Um, I think that we're going to see, and we'll come on to it, market, market forces, like the initial look, but these players are going to be being brought in by a lot of people, the two key men for Man City. I'm interested, actually, in, in that triple captain idea. And I think before Kane scored this evening, there were a lot of people saying, you know what, I'm, I'm putting it on Jesus, I'm putting it on Sterling. In terms of the stats, you're absolutely right. Like Raheem Sterling is doing very well. So he's created 11 chances in the last six. And He's also uh, had seven shots on target in the last six. Um, admittedly, his shooting is always terrible, but he's in the top five for both of those metrics. If you own them both, though, I think there's a couple of interesting calls that you can make. Um, FPL Connect asked about kind of players who maybe are a bit of a punt. And I had a look at the City players, Nick. I had a look at Sterling, KDB, Dilva, Sane and Bilva. And I looked at their uh, how many points they got and how many minutes they played and did a points per 90 analysis. So I worked out from the minutes they played how many 90-minute games that translated into and then divided the points by that. Interestingly, you've got Sterling at 8.7 points per 90, which is, you know, I don't think we were too surprised at that. In second is Bilva. So Bilva's got 99 points. He's only played one one three zero minutes. Uh, but he comes in at 7.8 points per 90. Which is which is pretty damn good. Uh, the next one, uh, the next one to that is Sana at six point six seven, and then finally Dilver at six point three eight, and uh, KDB at six point two. I think Bilver might be quite an interesting one. He's only seven point two. I think that he could be a very nice enabler, especially if you're looking to remove Willian. Bilver has scored off the bench, scored points off the bench. That is on four of the nineteen occasions he's come off the bench, but he started thirteen games and got returns in over half of the games that he started. He could be, I think, one of those kind of nice little differentials, which in game week 37, I think, you know, you've got to leave nothing behind in the season. Could be one of those that could um, you know, make a difference in the mini league or earn you that extra kind of few points that no one else is going to own. What do you think, Nick? Mad or genius? Yeah, I'm not sure. Not too sure about Bernardo Silva, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, he, he only starts every other game at the moment. So he's probably not going to start both games for sure. And he got zero minutes in the West Ham game. So you could easily be punished um, if, you, if you decided to to punt for him. I mean, at that budget, I prefer the likes of Anatovic, to be honest. I think he probably offers more over the two uh, games that, than Bernardo Silva, even though I think City coverage is essential. I'm not sure he's the right man. Yeah, for sure. I, I think maybe I'm just trying to um, find some differentials where where none you know where none exist. I think with how the season's kind of rolled out, I think that our options are quite narrow, and I think trying to find somebody somewhere that's going to be slightly different to others. I mean, you mentioned Arnautovic. I mean, there's always kind of your, you know your Lanzini character. You can you can uh, really really uh, go for Brocom, but um, yeah, no, I, I think that. Uh, for City, I think maybe you're looking at uh, Dilver's Dilver. We we kind of spoke about him a lot on the last pod, and I think that he's definitely interesting. I think he's definitely able to get those points and get into the box and score, which is something he's really added to to the game this season. And Sana, I think, quote unquote, he's had his rest, um, so he could come through and play both those games for City in the turnaround. I mean, ideally, you want to be hitting the player who's going to play the two games. I think Jesus is probably likely to play the two games. Sterling, uh, I don't know, um, might well start one and come off the bench for another, uh, may well get one. I think with City generally, you've got to be kind of entertaining the possibility that any player that you bring in is likely to play one game. But the thing is, those games are so good, right, that you, you've got to be expecting a lot of points regardless. And if you get to the jackpot. But I don't know whether you put your triple captain on a City player. And I think this leads us nicely into Spurs, doesn't it? And maybe the questions about triple captains as well. So FPL also asked us about Kane versus Jesus after uh, after tonight. Um, Spurs generally the Nick and triple captains. Have you had a look at this and and been wondering uh, where people should go? Yeah, for sure. Like I said about Harry Kane and, and Sterling, I think Harry Kane is probably the safe option. It's the mainstream option. It's maybe the conservative option, especially if you're ahead in your mini league and you just want to play it safe. You'd probably just slam it on Harry Kane and hope to maintain rank. If, you, if you're looking for a bit more of a, a punt and you're a bit more of a, a gambler, I guess, and you could go for that differential option like Sterling or, or Jesus and then you could really climb up the ladder or even look at someone even more crazy like Aubameyang and, and just put it on him but uh, I think Kane I mean his numbers haven't been as good recently as, as we alluded to um, so excluding tonight 
Um, his minutes per chance in the last six games has only dropped to uh, 40.1 with only seven goal attempts in the last four. And I thought that was compared to the numbers we were like spouting on at the beginning of the season where Harry Kane was creating a chance virtually every 20 minutes, every 15 minutes. He um, He's really dropped in terms of his numbers and his attacking output. And since he's come back from injury, he hasn't quite seen the same player. I mean, he managed to, to net one tonight, which was good for me and uh, for owners, but it wasn't the kind of, you know, you know, all hands on deck Kane performance again that we, we've come to expect from him um, from previous game weeks. And and I guess um, the fixtures, though, are, are really good fixtures. West Brom, obviously, they're, they're pretty much relegated now. Newcastle, they'll be on the beach as well. So uh, I think, um, for me, I think Kane is probably going to be my captain. I don't have the triple captainship. Uh, I'm going to be bench boosting. But, uh, yeah, I think he's probably the best option still just because of um, you've got a little bit more confidence, I guess, that he's going to start. Yeah, that's the key of the triple captain, isn't it? You want a player who's going to be starting. I think that was ultimately why I didn't get triple captain in, uh, back in uh, back in the winter when you did. Um, I think watching him tonight, in the, for the first half, he wasn't particularly great, but it was like at half-time, Postino said to him, you know, remember who you are, you've got to take some shots here. And he seems to take a lot more shots in the second half. Admittedly, they were into the stands, apart from the one he scored, which... Uh, even then, he fell over, didn't he? And the ball came back yeah. in off Trippier, but he converted an easy one. But you've got to hope with Kane that the flick has uh, the flick has been switched. The switch has been flicked, and uh, he could go through, uh, come forward to score. But as you said, like I like the idea of having uh, Jesus in those two games. And um, as you said, the chance the chance per minute is so high for Jesus. And if you just watch City, he is the man who seems to be being fed an awful lot. Like he goes out to Sterling. Sterling's looking for Jesus in the middle. Kevin De Bruyne is kind of always scanning for Jesus' runs. I mean, Jesus isn't particularly good at a lot of things. One thing he is good at is off the ball and moving into those positions. So you've got to be hoping that something's going to happen out of that. Spurs, then, Nick, other kind of Spurs players. You've got Son, who didn't look particularly great tonight, but we know that in terms of points per minute, he's excelling. And you've got Ericsson Nally. Ericsson, I think he's 9.7, isn't he? So that's quite a lot of money to be spending on Ericsson for an, for a kind of a, what is tantamount to an assist machine? I mean, he's still taking his shots. He's fifth for shots on target in the last six. So he's had five shots on target in the last six. And uh, in terms of uh, chances created, he's created 10. So he's a joint sit for that as well. So the numbers aren't too fantastic for him, but equally he could, he could be you know, setting Kane up and uh, one of these long shots could go in. Ali, on the other hand, doesn't appear on, on the top 10 uh, for either shots nor for chances created. Um, Son does appear for shots at five in the last six, excluding tonight, of course, but hasn't created very much. So it seems to me that Ericsson, because he's got the dual chance of getting points through assists and shots, does seem to be the guy. But he's such a premium price that do you think people should be looking at Son and looking at Ali and thinking, well, maybe there's a chance that they'll explode and that I hope there is and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll tick along, but not, not do anything spectacular. Yeah, I'm hoping that Son will explode. Personally, um, since I've brought him in, it's been five game weeks and he's, he's done the square root of Soddle, whilst Ericsson, who I owned previously when Son was scoring braces, has uh, stepped up his game. But I think um, Eric's, we're looking at the prices. Ericsson's definitely the more premium option at 9.6. So if you're looking to budget, maybe look at Son at 8.3 or Ali, who scored tonight at 9.0. And uh, I think I think both uh, Eric, I think. All three of them are, are pretty decent picks. You probably don't want more than one of them, but I think to have um, a midfield Spurs coverage is is pretty important if you can fit him into your team alongside the likes of Sterling. But I think um, Son, he, problem with Son and owning him is a bit frustrating because he's always the one that's taken off first. He never seems to play the full 90. He also is the one that's rotated a lot more than Ericsson and Ali. Ericsson and Ali seem to start every single game. Well, Son often misses out and he, he missed out, for instance, in the against Manchester City and uh, yeah he, he like tonight he came off in the 73rd minute for Sissoko and it seems like there's a chance that Pock might <laughs> might choose to start Sissoko or Lamello in, in one of those games and I'll, I'll be further frustrated by owning him so he can be um, he can be a little bit uh, frustrating to own but if I was if I had like an unlimited budget I would prefer to own Ericsson over the double game week but I think owning Son I'm gonna have to stick with him so I think a question a lot of people will be thinking now is that, so say they own Jesus and own Sterling and own Kane, would you be getting a second Spur in or would you be getting a third Man City player in? 
Um, I think there's an interesting uh, interesting dynamic there between going for broke with Man City and having that triple and just hoping they absolutely destroy it. I think, I think those two games could well be cricket scores. Or do you kind of cover Spurs and, and cover that second attacking um, threat? We'll talk about the defence in a minute. Um, which one would you go for, Nick, if you uh, if you had the choice? I think you're, you are bringing in Sterling and Jesus, aren't you? It's tough because I have Sterling and Jesus, but then for Manchester City picking your next asset, I think I'd prefer to have someone like Ericsson over Sane. So I think for me, I think having a second spur would probably be my preference over a third City. Okay. It's, it's, a t- it's a tough one, though. It's just I think with the rotation that you're more likely to see with Manchester City, I think just the, the option of someone like Ericsson who's more nailed on and, you know, very creative is probably my preference. Yeah, for sure. Um, and the final thing is the defence as well. We spoke about Man City's defence and the rotation. In terms of Spurs' defence, I mean, Spurs' uh, actual defensive stats are pretty good. They're, they're in the bottom quarter for uh, chances conceded on target, excluding tonight, of course, with just 19 shots conceded in the last six. Uh, Vertonghen, I think, is probably the go-to man there because he's going to be playing every game, we hope, or I hope, as an owner. Uh, but Trippier played very well again today will he or maybe your man Ben Davis be figuring on on your radar and other people's radars do you think I think it's tough with Trippier because I mean he basically switches in and out with Aurea every game for instance Aurea played in game week 30 game week 33 and the second match in game week 34 so he's probably going to start the next game and then Trippier will come in again so I think with Trippier if you were to go for him you're only probably going to expect him to play one game even though he, even though he played well tonight like you said Vertonghen he is the safe option we always talk about him and how he has no attacking returns and <laughs> offers nothing and then tonight he nearly scored when he hit the post and he also set up um, Kane um, but the goal was off uh, declared offside unfortunately so he he nearly had um, an assist and he nearly had a goal. So he was quite unlucky tonight to actually not register attacking. Very rare attacking returns. But at 6.0, I guess he is the uh, the safe option. You know, he plays every game. He's never dropped. And um, then there's also Sanchez at 6.0. But there's a bit more risk, I guess, with him. And I think, uh, you know, you'd prefer, I guess, the safe hands of Vatonian to Sanchez, who sometimes seems a bit, you know, like he could get himself sent off. Yeah, he, it seems a bit erratic, doesn't uh, it? But yeah, I guess um, the, the other guy would talk about Ben Davis. So um, I'm thinking about him as a sort of a, you know, a little punt just just for a laugh, really, to bring him in. As opposed, to, I was looking at Vitonia and I was like, is that a bit boring? Because I've got a little bit budget potentially on a minus four for um, an expensive defender, and and I, I was looking, I'm thinking Spurs are probably the, the best option for me because I've already got. Um, double United defence. I'm not looking at another United player. But um, I think, yeah, with Davis, it's, it's tough. I think um, we know that Rose could could play, but he has been sort of, he may get a run out for the shop window because it does look like he's definitely leaving. And we I did a quick look actually at, at Kyle Walker and um, his game time after his, uh, his fallout with um, Pochettino last season. And uh, he did. He did play a few. He did play like one game after that. But after that, it was essentially that Pocket showed him Coventry, and he he wasn't um, he wasn't uh, featured again really. So I think once you kind of have your fallout with Pochettino, you, you're shown the door, and we've seen it with Toby Alderweireld as well actually this season that he takes no prisoners, and we've seen it also with Andros Townsend. It's, it's essentially Pock's way or the highway. So I'm hoping that. If I go for Ben Davis, it's, it's the case of Danny Rose's time as Spurs is over. He's not going to get any more game time now. Now they're just in the league. But it's just still that risk that he will only play one of the, the two games. So I haven't really decided. I'll continue to look in the press to see if Pochettino gives any clear indicators, which he won't. But. <laughs> very, very economical of the truth, isn't he, Pop? Yeah. In the uh, yeah. press conferences. But you had him in game week one. It feels like it's kind of fulfilling the circle of FPL life to, to bring him back for the end of the season almost. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I still can't believe you didn't call uh, Corey son Ben to be on this No, No, I, I, yeah, I definitely have to be, be prepared for expectation <laughs> if, I do, uh, if I do bring him in. Yeah, for sure. Let's take a break there, Nick, and then we'll move on to talk about Leicester, United, Arsenal, Chelsea, and the rest of the teams of motivation. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? But let's move on then to a couple of teams who are a bit bit questionable. The first one is Leicester. Um, Ian Wilson particularly zeroes in on the key point, which is uh, that's Fantasian PL on Twitter. Um, he asks us, what are the arguments for keeping Mares this game week coming up? Like he's seeing mass sales. You said that um, you're looking to sell him. Uh, 
and he, for all for all intents and purposes, stats wise, he's done absolutely nothing the last two three game weeks. I mean, he did hit the post not very long ago, uh, but Leicester losing five 0 to the Crystal Palace, looking like uh, you know for whatever reason, Powell can't galvanise the troops there. With Mares, Nick, is there any? And I I do have a little bit of an argument to keep him. And I may well keep him. Is there any argument in your mind to to keep hold of Mares for for the next two games, which are both home fixtures in Burnley and Arsenal? Uh, for me, he's he's got to go. I'm, I'm feeling a little bit scarred by my um, experience of owning owning Mares. Um, I think you might make a, a small case, but I can't see any argument. I guess the only argument, which is one we we talked about before, and it's, it's probably a flawed argument, is the fact that he's going to be looking for suitors and want to perform for for you know those managers and those scouts that we watching him and thinking about. Oh, maybe you know this guy might fit our our model, but then you know probably not. You know most of those scouts know his potential anyway. He doesn't really need to perform for them. We saw that with Van Dijk earlier in the season before he went to Liverpool. He just didn't give a toss, did he? And I think Mahrez has sort of reached that. That stage now where he's just you know seeing out the end of the season before he um, he pushes for his summer move. I can definitely see that, and I think that that's definitely the basis of a lot of assumptions in terms of moves people are making. For me, with Mares, I think he is an interesting one, just because he's the sort of player, Nick, who if I didn't own him. I would be looking at bringing him in as like a final differential kind of pick. He's got two final home games for Leicester, which are probably going to be his last games for the Foxes. Those are the last games he's going to play um, in front of those fans. and He might want to disappear with a flourish. And as, um, as Stag said a few weeks ago, he is the sort of player who does have it in him to change a game on his own. You know, scoring a free kick in the last minute, for example. I did have a little look at his stats. He's returned in nine of his home games this season out of... Uh, It'd be out of 16 now, wouldn't it? And he's fifth for shots and target in home games, level with Raheem Sterling. So there is an argument to keep hold of him. And there is an argument, I mean, uh, we were talking about it today in terms of XT, expected trolling. <laughs> and I feel that Mares is one of those players for whom the ex- expected troll rate is super, super high just because of the nature of the last two fixtures. Like, okay, West Ham are going to be motivated to try to kind of get the last few points to stay up. Arsenal haven't won a won the away game in 2018. I think there might be quite a good games, though, actually. The last two home games that Leicester have got this season. And as I was saying, I think that Mares could well uh, you know, want to prove something or at least give his uh, loyal uh, fan base in Leicester a good send-off. Who knows? But I think he might be worth keeping hold of for that. And, you know, at least he'll assist Vardy at some point because Vardy is ba- bound to score one in one of those two games. I think if you've got Vardy, you should keep him for sure. If, if you're in a similar position to me and you're looking to bring in some Manchester City coverage, I, I'd say definitely just to sell Mares. Like, like I said, he's got one of those attitudes at the moment where he's saying, I'm surrounded by idiots. I'm not I'm not playing anymore. I'm, I'm done for the season. And that performance against Crystal Palace just sort of summarises it. For me, I guess the uh, the attitude in, in the Leicester camp right now, which is not in, not in a good way. They're, they're clearly on the beach. They're, um, they're, they're done for the season. Yeah, I mean, I'm landed with uh, Big Wes Morgan at the back as well. Uh, again, two home games, and I've seen a lot of teams that like people are stuck with him for the, for the bench boost, really, because if you take a minus four for, you know, a Van der Horn sort of character, then I don't really think that that's worth doing. Um, I mean, I, if you're upgrading him, then maybe that's worth it. But for the two home games, you've got to kind of hope that he just gets his four points and you're done with it with Morgan. Yeah, Chilwell and all these kind of characters as well, I think that equally applies to other teams then. So United, Arsenal and Chelsea, before we move on to the the teams who maybe have some bit more to play for. United have got the biggest gap between two fixtures, right? And a lot of people do own De Gea, you own Smalling as well, so you've got the double up, haven't you? What are you going to do with Lukaku? The thing is, his knock, and he went off in the 55 minute, I don't necessarily think it's a bad injury. He might be back for the, the game week, but it kind of gives me that, that excuse to sell him. <laughs> so it's just like, I, I, he's one of those guys who could easily troll me as well. But And I've been holding on to him, even though he, he does nothing every week. <laughs> but um, I think just, just having that yellow flag now and that slight injury just gives me the excuse to say, actually, Lukaku, you, you can go. You can um, you can leave for Gabriel Jesus. And that actually frees up a fair bit of money as well for a defensive upgrade on a minus four, which I was planning on doing anyway. But um, I was um, thinking originally of selling Lowton, who's only a single game week player, to bring in a Swansea defender. But with that sort of Lukaku to Jesus move, 
it gives me an extra 1.2, 1.3 million to um, to play with on a defensive transfer, and I can actually afford um, the likes of Ben Davis now um, on my budget. Lukaku is one of those. I was actually looking at bringing him in, and the reason why is that he's playing West Ham. Uh, Lukaku versus West Ham is one of those fixtures which always sticks in, in my head because for some reason he absolutely loves playing them. So he scored 11 goals against West Ham in his career. Um, that's the most goals of any club he's 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 uh, played against. And uh, I feel like there's a capacity there. I mean, he he in game week one, remember, he scored the brace against West Ham. And mm. I just feel like it could be one of those games where he does do something. But you're absolutely right. And I think a lot of people have who otherwise would have probably reluctantly kept Kaku are now just thinking, well, looks a bit injured, we'll get rid of him. It'll be interesting to see if um, Sanchez, who's not attacking at all by looks of it in terms of shots, he's not bothering the top 10 in terms of shooting. And he it seems to be creating more than anything as he's created 11 chances in the last six. Might end up in that uh, in that number nine role. Um, he'll be very good in that role. It's just whether Mourinho will do it. I'm guessing he'll probably put Rashford there if Lukaku's not in. I mean, Rashford in of himself might be a nice little uh, nice little bargain at the 7.5 mark, isn't he? Yeah, I was thinking about that. I looked at Rashford, I guess he's 7, he's 7.3. But I think he's... Uh... He's perhaps a little bit too risky, I guess, as, as an option. He was someone I thought, oh, maybe, you know, a, a cheeky punt, but I don't think so, personally. I mean, he's, apart from his um, the Liverpool performance where he managed to score a brace, we've seen nothing from him for this um, side of the season. And, uh, you know, he might he might suddenly come up with the goods and anyone who brings him in might look like a, a bit of a miracle worker. But I think you've got to be, if you bring in Rashford, you've got to be prepared for non-start and, uh, yeah, small return. Yeah, and speaking of small, uh, Smalling at the back, that was a really terrible segue, wasn't it? Uh, but small, Smalling at the back looks like he's uh, he's he's nailed under Mourinho. Um, obviously not in the England team because he's not good enough, uh, but I'm guessing Mourinho doesn't particularly care. Has uh, has had two big chances in the last six games and scored both of them. I only had three attempts. Clinical, clinical Chris Smalling. Do you understand why people are probably looking at him and looking to bring him in? He rose last night as well, didn't he? It's 5.7 now. Yeah, and he's up there on the market forces this game week. And um, with those fixtures, you can easily see um, a double clean sheet for United. That's why I've got um, both De Gea and Smalling in my team. And yeah, and Smalling has offered that attacking threat. He's been a relatively good purchase for me since I, since I brought him in. But um, And I think, yeah, he seems to be the one that starts every game week, even though there is a risk as well, I guess, with him. That um, you know, you've got Lindelof that seems to be getting Lindelof, <laughs> Lindelof <laughs> that seems to be getting some game time now, and Eric Bailly's supposedly fit, and Phil Jones is he fit? I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, Phil Jones, but, <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> Smalling. Either way, Smalling seems to be playing every game. So it's, yeah, I guess it's it's not a surprise that people are looking at him as as um, one of the standout defensive options uh, this game week. For sure. Moving on to Arsenal, then Nick, and on our whistle stop tour of teams next week. Um, I'm looking actually at sacking off Arsenal completely. Um, I just kind of feel one that I don't want to combine my FPL fate with with Arsenal in any way, shape, or form. And uh, two, I'm a, I'm a little bit unsure about how it's going to go. So obviously we've got the uh, the UEL game. The fact that we're playing in that game means that the first game of the double game week is going to be a rotated team, I think, as players rest and recover. I expect you'll find, you know, players like Monreal, Mustafi, maybe, Koscielny, but none of them are going to play in the first game of the double game week, I think. It feels like it's all going to be on that second game if you do own Arsenal players at Leicester. And as we've just mentioned, the away record isn't very good. But then a lot of people obviously are holding Aubameyang, especially people who aren't, who didn't have uh, the free hit and uh, for whatever reason didn't wildcard later on. I mean, Aubameyang is still featuring in in, in the uh, striker in the striker charts. He's had 11, uh, 11 attempts in the last six. Do you think the people should be holding on to Aubameyang or do you think they should uh, maybe be looking at Jesus or perhaps even Kane if they don't own them? Yeah, I mean, Arsenal have Burnley and Leicester. So those are two quite decent fixtures um, Aubameyang I think he, he's definitely got the capacity to score and could easily get a, a huge haul in those games I mean the problem is I guess um, are the options of, of Kane and Jesus and I'd say probably Kane and Jesus are probably the two that you'd want to own so it, I mean he'd be a tough player to sell mm. um, if you own him but I think like Lukaku is as well um, aside from that injury but I think uh, you probably want Jesus I'd say over, over Aubameyang just it's just whether it factors into your transfers or not, or whether you've got other holes to fill. And if it's, maybe if you know if you're already thinking about a minus four or a minus eight, and excluding selling Aubameyang, maybe just hold him because he should 
he could potentially get a decent return. Yeah, I mean, maybe, you know, if you've got a defender, maybe hold on to them. And if you've got a midfielder, I don't know what midfielder you probably have. Ramsey, perhaps? but Yeah, Ramsey's been rotated quite heavily as well recently. Um, you know, the Arsenal midfield's a bit of a, uh, you know, I think Mkhitaryan, he, he had a really good performance actually against Manchester United. And he would probably be the best player to own in terms of the Arsenal midfield right now, but he got injured as well. So he might not um, he might not necessarily play. And we saw that in the Manchester United game, he played the youngsters. We saw like, like some Maitland-Niles and Mavroponos and <laughs> Willett yeah. play. So, um, you know, Reese Nelson as well. So who knows what team Wenger's going to be putting out. I feel like, obviously, it's his um, last couple of games as the Arsenal manager. So I think he's probably trying to, he's probably trying some sort of blooding the new generation. For the, that's the kind of thing he would probably do is, is blood the new generation for the next manager and hope to go out for a bang with the um, Europa League as well. Yeah, it's a, bit, it's a bit annoying, isn't it? That the last home game he's going to have is the Burnley game, which is the first game on the double game week. If it was any other time, I think that I'd be looking at bringing Arsenal players in the last game week and game week 38 were away at Huddersfield. I think if any of those games were home games, I'd be uh, that it wasn't kind of just after the UEL, I'd be looking at Arsenal players thinking, you know, there's got to be some sentimental value and a massive performance uh, for, for Arsenal. But I, I just don't think it's going to happen. I'm just happy to sack us off entirely, I think. Um, the final team in this particular bit, before we move on to the uh, the teams with motivation, is Chelsea. So FPL Tornado asked about Alonso. There's a few people who own him, but Emerson Palmieri's been playing in his stead. Chelsea have got a Liverpool in a bit of a crunch game, uh, followed by a Huddersfield game midweek. Some people own Willian, including myself. What are your views on Chelsea, Nick? Who are you looking at or who are you looking at removing, perhaps? Um, so I've only got Willian and really frustrating again. But I mean, I did think originally about selling him for an out of it, but I think it's probably not. Um, I think it's just going to be another hit to do that. So I think perhaps just having Chelsea coverage in the form of Willian for the... I mean, they play Liverpool, which is going to be a really tough game. And then they've got Huddersfield at home, which is, you know, going to be a pretty easy game in comparison. So it's, it's a tough one, I guess. But I think Willian probably can remain as my Chelsea coverage. I've seen some teams with Hazard and, you know, Hazard's one of those major trolls and he, he could potentially <laughs> he could potentially come out of the double game with like a 22 point 25 point return or he could easily come out of it with a three point return so i think um hazard's one of those tougher cells if, if you're holding him I, I mean i'd be tempted to get rid personally um, and look at other options in midfield but um yeah for me william stays is is relatively Highly priced, and he just doesn't fit into my transfer model. Um, actually, you know, forwards, Murata, he's been rotated quite heavily with Giroud as well. So, uh, yeah, I'm not sure about Murata. I think yeah. he's definitely off the table, and I'm not sure about Giroud either. Even though you'd, I think you'd love to love to own him. Yeah, fan. yeah, I definitely would. I mean, um, Hazard, just to mention him, he is another one of those kind of little differentials that maybe people might want to might want to bring in. I don't think I touch him with a barge pole, but he's top of chances created over the last six of 15 chances created. With the Chelsea strikers, I think Conte must be thinking, oh, Giroud or Murada. Like, <laughs> you've got to be, I just don't know. I just don't know if they're going to play him. Mean, with Giroud, I always think about last, I mean, last season, he scored 13, he scored a brace in one of the two games. And I think that there's always something about him in the end of the season which I quite like and if he did get the game against Huddersfield I think that might be quite a nice one but it does feel as you said a bit a bit too much of a punt the issue is that Chelsea do maybe because of uh, Liverpool uh, not doing anything against Stoke suddenly have something to play for and that could mean that Chelsea do do better than we thought um, I think I will be probably selling Willian I think then it looks like, by all accounts, there was some sort of uh, ruckus with Conte uh, when he was substituted the other week. I mean, Willian's still in the top five for chances created. He's fallen out of the top uh, the top ten for shots now over the last six. Um, but as you said, for for the price that he is, he is worth having the the punt on uh, on on all the set pieces as well if he's on the pitch. So, you know, it, it could be worth having a look at. And uh, FPL Tornado's question about Alonso: What do you reckon? Would you would you advise keeping him if you've uh, had him from this point, or would you still think sell because of the money? Well, I think um, if you own Alonso, you probably should have sold him during his suspension. But I think for me, I was actually looking at another Chelsea uh, defender, a bit of more of a differential option, and that was uh, that was Victor Moses actually, Tom. Oh, surprising. Um, uh, yeah, uh, 6.5. He's had eight goal attempts in his last five. 
And um, he's now actually over the course of the season, only um, his teammate Alonso has had more goal attempts for defenders. So he's now second for goal attempts across all defenders for the course of the season. So um, he offers um, a, a cheeky differential, I guess, in in defence there. And he, obviously he did. He had a um, fantastic performance when my son Moses was uh, was born <laughs> when I was in the hospital and he picked up a, a cheeky goal and assists and um I think the only risk, I guess, with um, Moses is is um, that rotation with um, Zappa Costa. So Zappa Costa has been getting a little bit more game time um, recently, and it's uh, Moses that often misses out when Zappa Costa plays. Yeah, when that little hairball was born, it was like nom- nominative determinism almost that Moses was going to score. But I think that could be a nice little punt there, actually, with Moses. He does seem kind of very attacking, at least. Um, but 6.5, is that worth it? With, with Alonso, I think you're right. I'd have sold him a little while ago. I think he's only going to play one of the two games. Um, probably going to play the Liverpool game and then uh, and then Palmieri will come in for the Huddersfield game. So I don't, I don't think a 7.2, that's worth keeping uh, to an A-day. All right, and then finally, Nick, let's talk about teams with motivation. I think there's a zero in perhaps on Saints and Swansea, although I know you've looked at Bryson a little bit. Uh, Wilson Ung asked about um, Chaz, who I own, uh, versus your man uh, Jordan Ayew, Nick, uh, of uh, red card fame. Uh, Prashant has asked about the third strikers and Bilal has asked uh, what Swansea players to buy in. Uh, what have you been looking at with regards to these teams? Yeah, I mean, I've had a vague sort of analysis of, of Swansea and Southampton. So Swansea, I mean, in the defence, you've got Van der Horn, but he could be potentially a bit more rotated. You've got Mawson. He's a premium option, I guess, in defence at 5.1. He had two goals and one assist his campaign, but last season he got four games. So Swansea are playing Bournemouth, Stoke and, uh, Bournemouth and Southampton in the double, which I guess are all winnable. And Stoke in 38 as well. So you could potentially even play a Swansea defender in that final fixture if you wish to but yeah I mean there's Norton 4.6 I guess he would be my my pick I guess at his price oh, to no. assist and then you've got uh you've got Robert C Roberts 4.0 I guess <laughs> you probably don't want to be bringing him in I think I prefer Swansea defense in over Southampton but if you look at Southampton you've got Cedric um 4.7 uh, he's had a couple of assists and then if you also once again if you, you're very tight for budget and you're trying to upgrade when you're midfielders or something to fit in Sterling or something like that. You've also got Bednarek at 4.1. He started the last three and he netted on his debut so he could be a very alternative pick. And Everton and Swansea, you know, Southampton, you know, when they, when push comes to shove, they could easily win those games. Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, Van der Horn, as you mentioned, uh, may be a rotation risk, but Federico Fernandes has been injured, um, so that may solidify his place. And it looks like Carvajal's playing five at the back. I think with these teams, Nick, uh, you've got to be really looking at the team stats because they're so beige almost. They're not, they're not particularly interesting. I and mean, Alex put it very well last week, that if you're buying a player from those teams, they are in there as an enabler. And, uh, Jordan Ayew, I'd be a little bit concerned about bringing him in. I mean, you've got uh, Swansea a second uh, second from bottom in terms of shots on target in the last six games. I've only had 12 shots on target. Uh, Huddersfield, worryingly for Huddersfield, for Terriers everywhere, a uh, bottom of that with 10. And uh, the, their defence as well, um, they are uh, joint fourth for shots conceded. So shots on target conceded. They conceded 26 shots in the last, uh, in the last six. Uh, Southampton have uh, conceded 27. So you've got to be looking at these teams and thinking, well, you know, whoever I bring in is a a two-pointer. And I think the reality, a four-pointer, I guess, actually. Um, Although there's obviously that that kind of the the floor they can go through if they concede more than one. Um, As you said, perhaps we might see either team rising to it. And I think that the big game is going to be that Swansea-Southampton game. Uh, which is going to be probably very tight and could well be a nil-nil. It's one of those games that is always billed as being a relegation six-pointer that always ends up being really rubbish because everyone's really uh, everyone's really worried and doesn't want to make a mistake and that no one takes any chances. I mean, I've got Chaz Austin, I think, to address Wilson Ung's question. Chaz Austin versus Ayu. It, it's not particularly great uh, on, either, on either front. Uh, in the last six, uh, Chaz has had uh, 13 shots. Uh, this is the last six matches they've played. Um, Chaz has had 13 shots versus IU on nine, over 50% accuracy for Chaz, I think 40% for IU. Um, it depends, I think, more what you do with that 0.5 if you get IU over Chaz Austin. Like, for me, Austin, although he didn't really do very much in the last game, it was, you know, 
ghost of uh, FPL trolling past Dusan Tadic, who got his brace. Um, it'd be funny to see if he's showing up in the market forces because <laughs> surely you can't be buying him. Surely everyone's learned their lesson about Tadic. Yeah, um, I-, I wanted to speak about Tadic. Actually, he's oh, definitely man. one of those players who's like you look at him and you think you've forgotten who you are, you know. But um, I guess at six point two, he picked up sixty-one baps um, last game week, more than any other player with five chances created in a brace. And you know, he's playing an Everton team who conceded fifty-four goals, Swansea team who conceded fifty-two. Is, is he? the ultimate midfield differential pick i don't i don't know but he's the ultimate four pointer <laughs> you see it every you see it every year don't you with Tadish? he has one or two games and everyone's like whoa he's, he's the best thing since sliced bread uh but, but i think the reality is he's, he's just going to be giggling at you like a hyena when it comes to it um i think kind of the final thing is you said you looked at brighton who i think everyone's forgotten has got a double game week a bit like uh Bournemouth in 34 because it was so poor they've got both Manchester clubs like I've got Dunk I think you've got Dunk as well lots of people still own Duffy maybe a couple of Murray owners out there I've got Murray yeah you, 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 the prognosis can't be good can it no I mean it is tough I mean those fixtures I was thinking about selling Dunk and I, I want to sell Murray in fact I want, I want to kind of do this minus 12 and just get rid of them all <laughs> as I alluded to but um, I mean it's, it's tough those fixtures are really hard for Brighton United and City they don't get much harder than that so there's, there's not going to be clean sheets there what's interesting that Duncan Duffy is is still the 6th and 7th um, highest defenders for goal threat and it's, it's been quite surprising that only one goal has come from them so you have to, if you own those guys you have to hope that they, they put out some you know goal in the last minute or something but it's 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 unlikely. I'm sure Dunk will get his chance to hail the one to save. And, yeah, or Dunk will score an own goal. I mean, I I have like a really terrible choice between keeping Dunk, who has got those two games, or keeping Morgan because I've only got um, I've got triple captain, so I haven't got the bench boost. And I think I'm going to keep Morgan just hoping the one game he does play in the double game week, he gets six points because I just think, well, against Man City, Dunk is probably going to get zero, minus one maybe. And against Manchester United, well, he's probably going to get two. So maybe Morgan will do better over one game at Dunk well over two. Um, yeah, and uh, unless there is that kind of lucky, uh, a lucky, lucky goal of a lucky, lucky assist that we got on the uh, on the double game week through uh, through Murray. But yeah, I, I'm guessing that those those kinds of players are going to be the ones that are going to be the chaff on your uh, on your double game week uh, squad. Yeah, definitely. I think so at the moment. Yeah. All right, let's take a break there, Nick, and then move on to our features. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So we're back, and um, it's time to catch up with the anti-metas team. Uh, how, how did they get on this week, Tom? Better than me? Yeah, they did. Uh, so this is our team of players who aren't in the template or being spoken about in the wider meta at the moment. We try to keep them under 10% owned. Well, they, yeah, they they beat you by 10 points, Nick. Uh, they, they rolled the transfer. <laughs> Brilliant. They rolled the transfer this week. Uh, they got a bit unlucky. Uh, so Company and Oatsil didn't uh, feature again. Um, Andre Ayew and uh, Callum Chambers come off the bench for one point each. Um, 40 points. Uh, Captain Sanchez got an assist. Um, that shouldn't have been an assist because uh, the the ball, uh, Bellerin definitely changed the course of that ball. But anyway, um, Hazard uh, also got an assist. And uh, Ragnar Klavan was the key man at the back with uh, with a clean sheet and two bonus. But other than that, you know, Welbeck didn't, didn't return with anything. Bertrand, Edison, uh, Gundog and Woods, um, none of them returned. And Company and Wood have both been flagged now as well. So there may be uh, some wholesale changes made by the Antimetas going into the uh, into the final double game week, uh, which is when they're going to be bench boosting, actually. So uh, I don't know what I'm going to do about that. Um, Andy Carroll as well, not showing up Andy on Carroll. the pitch. Um, but, you know, it c- could, could be a danger man in a, in that double game week. But one man who is certainly a danger man, Nick, is, is Alan Yom. And uh, I, I think it's time to just quickly do a Nyom watch. This is our uh, our monitoring of all things Alan Nyom uh, as we follow him around to see if he justifies his 5.0 price tag at the start of the season, which we were both very upset with. So Alan Nyom was spotted playing football on Saturday against Newcastle. He was roundly thought to be playing for a team that was going down. But Alan got a clean sheet. He had 62 touches, 25 were in the opposition half. He had a touch every 1.5 minutes. He tried 35 passes, 25 were successful. That's 71% for you stats nerds. He also got one yellow card. He was mentioned in dispatches, hustly. He wasn't mentioned in dispatches at all. 
So if you see Alan Yom down Marks and Spencer's trying to cash a gift card, or if you see him down Greg's trying to get a sausage roll, let us know. Hashtag Yom Watcher. Thanks for everybody again who let us know uh, this week. Let's move on with Nick Swiftly uh, to the market forces. This is our section where we talk about uh, the movers and shakers in the FPL transfer market and try to describe the key trends to you guys. Uh, so what have you been noticing, Nick? I know you're on the data as always. Yep. So... Um... The player being most sold at the moment is uh, Mo Salah. And I guess everyone has short memories because one blank and a single game where you can now see everyone selling him and everyone's seen enough of him. They're playing Arsenal, so they've got a tough game. But you have to remember that they've got Brighton at home in 38. So if you're selling him, you're probably going to want to buy him back for 38. So uh, for me, he's he's not going anywhere. I'm, I'm hanging on to Mo despite his very rare blank. And uh, I'm going to be keeping him as a single game week player this this game week because of the amount of money I've spent on him and, and the other million holes I have to resolve. But so Salah's being sold over fifty thousand net transfers out. Yeah, I'm surprised by that. Like we said last week, and uh, we haven't really spoken about Liverpool this week just because we thought we keep it focused on the double game week. But I mean, we, we said last week that most Salah can score in any situation, and especially one against Chelsea, where I'm sure he's going to be motivated. He's four goals ahead of Harry Kane, and it didn't really work out against Stoke this week if he had scored that goal in the seventh minute where we all jumped up and thought he'd scored it'd be a different story but um yeah I can't I can't sell him and plus you know we both got quite a high buy value on him haven't we if we sell him off so there's no way of getting him back but yeah I'm surprised that um so many people have already jumped the gun on Salah but we've got a couple of questions on that later anyway yeah definitely I think um actually out of the top five most um transferred out players at the moment there were four of them are Liverpool players so you got Firmino he's said he's had over 50,000 transfers out as well he's just behind um, he's actually just behind Salah in terms of transfers out. Um, Robertson as well in defence. Um, he's been rotated a little bit in the league recently as well. But he's had 22,000 transfers out. And um, Mane also over 22 transfers out as well. 22,000 transfers out. So all the Liverpool guys, people are getting reared for that Arsenal game. And they're bringing in players that have a double game week. So um, what we've seen is uh, Jesus is, is being bought up front. Um, he's the most transferred in player at the moment, slightly ahead of Sterling. Sterling's had over 43,000 transfers in, Jesus over 49,000 transfers in. And I guess that's no surprise. Those are the two players mm-hmm. I'm looking at to bring in for sure for those games. They're fantastic. Yeah, definitely. As we said at the top, I think those two are going to be the ones that most people are going to own. Yeah, for sure. Um, otherwise, you've got um, Kane. He's been brought in quite heavily um, for those fixtures. Um, Lukaku, on the other hand, is actually being sold. So Lukaku, despite the fixtures, over twenty four thousand transfers out. So I guess people are looking at Kane, bringing him in, looking at Jesus, bringing him in, and Lukaku sitting sort of third fiddle, I guess, in terms of those premium strikers now. And he's been ousted by Jesus in terms of these the, the meta. I guess the meta, the meta front line. And it's very interesting to note that Aubameyang hasn't featured at all in the um, top 20. So it looks like neither Aubameyang's being sold if, and um, for those that actually own him. And if, if no one's bringing him in either, so Aubameyang's kind of out, out of the picture at the moment. Plus Lukaku, probably because of that flag, is being sold and people using that like me as the, as, as the excuse to, to sell him. Yeah, for sure. And then uh, Pogba and Smalling as well are being brought in off the back of, well, I mean, Smalling, uh, as we mentioned, a couple of goal scoring uh, appearances and Pogba after having one good game. Uh, Smalling's been brought in by 26,000. Uh, Pogba's been brought in by about 18,000. And uh, but beneath them, your man, uh, Jordan Ayunik, he's been brought in by 20,000 people now. Um, despite the stats and despite everything else, um, I think he's coming in as an enabler. Um, so I'm guessing that people are selling Firmino, selling Lukaku, looking to get in Jesus and Kane. And, you know, IU seems to be a way to, to a way to do that. Uh, and finally, uh, Dusan Tadic, who's been bought <laughs> by 16,000 people, Nick. So 16,000 people have not learned the lessons of the past. And uh, just, just seeing that he scored a brace and thought, yep, yeah, you know what, I'm buying Dusan. Um, now we've said this, he's definitely going to go on a massive role, isn't he, towards the end of the season. Um, but if I was buying Dusan Tadic, I'd be expecting four points and nothing else. Yeah, for sure. I think one final point is um, there's been a little bit of goalkeeper activity as well. A lot of people are selling Nick Pope because uh, Burnley don't have that double. So the Burnley assets are being sold and they're bringing in Fabianski and Fabianski... Um, has had a really good season actually for Swansea. Yeah, Fabianski's the fifth highest scoring goalkeeper in the game. Uh, so I guess for those fixtures, uh, that, that kind of makes sense. All right, uh, let's take a break with Nick and we'll move on to the community section. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? 
catching up with the who got the assist mini league not much change at the top team name Jamal Rice still number one he scored 51 points this game week so relatively reasonable didn't own Sterling but he had Sane um, he had Gabriel Jesus captain uh, Salah like a lot of us but um, you know he had double Burnley defence with Tarko and Loton meaning that his score was uh, you know alright um, otherwise Damir Tanay um, only 46 points for him um, he's now got Simon Rutherford's heroes and villains right on his tail after um, Simon scored a 57 pointer uh, thanks to um, the City boys again Sterling Jesus and a captain Harry Kane as well With um, for a team with no Salah he, he kind of got away with it I guess you could say but yeah well done Simon Otherwise, you've got uh, Cruise Control, Stevie Sunshine. He played his wild card, actually. Brought in uh, Sterling and David Silva and Jesus. But uh, yeah, he's doing pretty well. He's also got TAA in defence and got a six-pointer. Very much uh, on Demir's tail, Simon. So very well done, guys. And very very well done, Jamal, who uh, look, looks to be uh, still pushing. So all the best of luck with uh, the double game week coming up. Uh, just a quick shout-out this week uh, to FPL family. Uh, you can find them on YouTube. They do great vlogs from a lovely husband and wife team. Uh, Lee is going to come on the pod next week again. Uh, hopefully we'll get one we can publish and we're not going to lose it, followed by a weepy wall-punching video by me. Um, but uh, yeah, we're really looking forward to that. And uh, at some point during the, the double game, we'll, we'll definitely have them on. Uh, moving forward to the questions then, Nick. Uh, we've had quite a lot this week, so apologies we don't quite get to you. The first question is from Lee and he asks, what happens if your missus beats you in FPL by more than 100 points? Asking for a friend. <laughs> that's a great question Lee I guess you just have, you just have to to suck it up and uh, just just plan for next year really you know like luckily I don't have that problem because my my missus is, is not interested in FPL in the slightest but uh, you know well done to Sam for having such a, a stormer of a season yeah absolutely took him to the cleaners this season Sam well done um, a few wags on Twitter suggested divorce uh, <laughs> deleting your account uh, uh, everything like that so uh, but yeah no, absolutely absolutely brilliant uh, moving on to the actual FPL questions then uh, the first question is about no Salah so you mentioned that um, just spoken about it and I'm really sorry that we've cast aspersions on you uh, Richard Skeen uh, who asked us who out of Hazard KDB and Sanchez we prefer as big ticket replacements for Salah for this week only that's a tough one I guess it depends on on the rest of your team and, and your coverage for those teams so you know KDB is, is a really good pick but if you've already got Sterling and Jesus do you need KDB as well for me I think I might prefer Sanchez as, as the option to be honest as, as the big ticket option you know those Manchester United fixtures are really good and and if Lukaku is injured, it might mean that Sanchez plays a more um, attacking attacking role within the team. And you know, he, he's not had a great season. But he, let's let's we forget his he was the top scorer in the game last season. He was you know essential to all our teams, and I think he had a you know had an absolute you know amazing double game week last season. And one of the reasons yes. you punted on him in the last double game week. So I think oh, don't remind me. And Sanchez might be my pick out of the three. Yeah, so I think that probably would be Hazard for me, actually, just because the stats, as always, of Hazard are so good. It comes down to perhaps motivation. Um, I think that now with Liverpool, as I said earlier, drawing that game against Stoke, Chelsea may have something to play for and the Hazard stats are quite strong. Uh, there is a shout for KDB for sure. KDB is not really bothering the stats too much. So he's uh, right at the bottom for assist potential, which is quite worrying if you are buying KDB. Just eight chances created in the last six. And in terms of shots as well, he's only had four shots on target in the last six. Um, so it looks like he's got kind of reverted back to his kind of quarterback role to some extent that he did at the start of the season. I mean, you've got to be hoping that a long shot flies in, but in terms of involvement, you've got Hazard who's posting the stats and Sanchez who would be the punt um, to maybe post the stats if Lukaku's out. But me personally, I wouldn't be able to look at Sanchez for a little while. <laughs> so it would be Hazard for me out of those three. But I mean, I personally just keep Salah, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, yeah. If you if you got to do it, then you got to do it. I suppose if that's part of your plan. Okay. Uh, next question, then, Nick uh, Jamal um, of uh, first in the mini league fame asks, which teams are now deadwood that we shouldn't be considering at all? And uh, Tom Campbell uh, linked to that asks if he should tell sell two or three of his Burnley assets. I'm assuming he's on the bench boost. 
Yeah, I think it's probably time for those Burnley assets to go. But I guess it depends on how many hits hits you want to take. Um, I've only got Lowton, but he's probably my preference to go, even ahead of um, other Deadwood teams. So I'd say Deadwood teams now probably are, are the likes of Burnley. I don't think anyone owns the likes of like Everton players, but they're pretty Deadwood, you know. Um, Let I, I think Brighton and Leicester are up there as well in terms of Deadwood teams. So. Or, you know, like the problem with Leicester, like you made the case for keeping their players, but if you've got the likes of Wes Morgan, you know, he's he's not going to get much in terms of points. Likes of Brighton and Glenn Murray and Dunk, I've got both of them, but I'm just probably be looking to ditch them if you can, if if you can afford to to sell them on for um, other options. And I and you know the the best team to own, I guess, right now in terms of the defenders is for cheap defenders is probably Swansea. Or Southampton. Yeah, I think there's a lot of um, teams that you should probably be uh, be divesting. I think, uh, one honourable exception might be Wilfred Zahar. Um, scored a couple last game week. Uh, double double figure return. Um, second for shots on target amongst the midfielders in the last six with nine. He, he could be one that I'd probably advise keeping hold of. Perhaps um, Palace obviously got the single game week fixture uh, against Stoke away. I mean, if you've got Stoke players, just get rid of them. Um, but he, he could be one who looks like he's in four. It's just a shame that he's he he plays for the Ivory Coast, not for England. Um, but yeah, he might be somebody that I'd consider keeping hold of. But other than that, I think you're right. And you know, there are teams like you know, West Brom. What are you doing with a West Brom player, for example? Apart from the on. Uh, next question then. Uh, Chump change. Uh, FPL Chelsea asks who he should replace Lowton with. Um, Nick, this is quite a relevant one for you. Um, he's got four point four and. That's his only transfer this week. He hasn't got anything. Uh, he hasn't got anything that he can add to that. Uh, why the question about cheap defenders? It's a tough one because um, I mean the Lowton replacements I was looking at were a little bit more expensive than that. But if you if you want to take a gamble on a single game week player, for instance, you talked about Crystal Palace. Perhaps Tomkins at four point four would be a good shout. I saw he was actually leading the stats in terms of defenders for the last six game weeks um, with his goal threat. So, and, and he did score the other game week against Brighton as well. So maybe he would be a, an interesting punt at that price. Otherwise, um, you've got Newcastle players like Dummett. He's someone who's lurking in my team as well. Um, they have Spurs as one of their games. But they've also got Watford. So there's a potential for um, a cheeky clean sheet there. He's very cheap. And then you've got your man, Van der Horn, 4.4 as well for Swansea, who's probably, um, probably the pick of the bunch, perhaps. Yeah, it's, it's not particularly exciting. I look at the stats for this earlier on uh, in terms of uh, assist potential. You've got uh, Ben Chilwell at the top. He's created nine in the last six. Uh, beneath him, Masuaku, who didn't actually play the last game, but 4.2, he could offer something. And you've got like Lejeune and Bong and uh, and Rice. Uh, yeah, none of these players seem particularly, uh, particularly inspiring, do they, Nick, in terms of... Uh, Penbox touches and shots on target. You got players like Masuaku, Lejeune, and Rice showing up. You got Bednarak as well, but potentially a four point one that you can hit and hope. I think. I think with regards to this, don't double up on any of these teams. I mean, if, if you if, if you if you haven't got a team which is covered, they've got double game week. You aren't Brighton. Um, I'd be maybe considering getting them in. You know, like if you haven't got a Southampton player, just just maybe buy Bednarak. Um, but just be anticipating that it's going to be a four pint four. Four pinter, four pointer. It might be a four pinter if it's a terrible game, but you know all of these players. You, you've got to be expecting they're going to score the bare minimum, especially if it's a bench boost, them and just hope for the best. You know, there's going to be some upside. I mean, if you did bring in Bednarak on double game week thirty four, then you were richly rewarded. So maybe that will continue. Um, but yeah, it is it's quite a quite a poor area to be looking at. I'm afraid. And finally, this week, Nick, uh, hit me up. It's the classic uh, question. Uh, Mr. Walker Porter and Andrew Yee both uh, both ask about this. How many points is fine in terms of a hit for a double game week? Well, you highlighted um, on the other pod that I took a minus eight um, last season, which I didn't even remember doing. I guess um, for a double game week, you could probably get away with um, a minus eight because uh, you're playing. You're essentially... And we talk about this, how you're bringing, if you're bringing in a double game week player for a single game week player, it's, it's only a minus two and not a, a minus four, essentially. Especially if you're getting rid of Deadwoods who, who have really tough fixtures, like, you know, the Brighton t- players or, or a single game week player like Burnley. And you're, you're perhaps only expecting perhaps a one pointer or zero pointer from one of their defenders or someone who's not been playing and starting. Then, yeah, by all means, take a hit, bring in those Jordan Ayus, bring in those Swansea defenders. <laughs> but, um, I mean, 
that's the, the problem is when you're looking at the Swansea players and you're thinking about, oh, should I be taking hits for these guys? And it's like, oh, it feels a bit uncomfortable, you know, taking a minus four to bring in a Swansea player. But if you're bringing in like Triple City or you're, you know, getting rid of some of the crap and, you know, bringing in your Jesus's and your Sterlings, you can definitely get away with hits. Yeah, I think some of it is, you're right, it's, it's down to the quality of transfer you're making. Like if you're making a, if you're taking a minus four to take a 4.5 defender out and put a 4.5 defender in, I'm just not too sure that's worth it. Like with Morgan, as I've said before on this pod, like I'm not going to remove him, I don't think, just because, well, I, he's got to, the replacement's got to score more than Morgan, which I don't think is very likely given how rubbish they're going to be. Um, if you are if you are making a, a transfer, like you know Willian, who may not play both games for a player who may play, who's probably going to play both those games, you know, like with explosive potential, like a City player, then maybe that's more more relevant, and maybe it is linked more to the quality of player that you're bringing in, the quality of transfer you're doing. I think a minus eight is acceptable for me. There's always a psychological block on going above that. I don't like it when I've got double figures to try to come back from. I don't know why. Uh, but I, I don't think I've ever taken a minus 12 in my entire FPL career just because I'm just not, um, I just don't think that it's it's possible to, to to ever, you know, come back from that. I mean, ideally, I'd like to take a minus four of this double game week or maybe not even take a hit because, as you said, all the points are yours if you uh, don't take a hit. Otherwise, you're starting from a position of weakness. Um yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. It's always one which is, there's not really much consensus. Obviously, it's always down to your team and how that's looking, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but yeah, think about the quality of transfer that you're trying to make and whether it is really worth that hit to remove Morgan for Van der Horn. Okay, Nick, uh, let's move on to the end then. Uh, changes for this week. I'm guessing you've already made one change, right? Yeah, I've already um, I've already sold... Mares um, and I brought in Sterling, so that's one move I've made. I've got more plans. Jesus, probably the Lukaku and a defensive upgrade. Um, it's probably going to be Loton, even though Duncan Morgan was thinking out my team. They're probably going to stay just because Loton's got the single game weaker, and then yeah, maybe a, a premium. I've got a bit of budget for a more premium midfielder. So I mean, there's the likes of Laporte, I guess, as well. With if company is actually injured. And then there's also Ben Davies or Vertonghen. I've got quite a big budget, actually. So um, up to 6.0, I think. So, yeah, one of those guys. Ben Davis back in your team. I think that would be an interesting one. Um, for me, personally, I think that it's going to be Dunk and it's going to be Willian who go. And I think that Willian's probably going to be replaced by either Sana or maybe I will follow through and take this punt on Bernardo Silva, which I've been looking at and thinking, yeah, why not? Um, and I'm probably going to be replacing... Uh, dunk with uh i don't know with smalling maybe or maybe with mawson um just something like that just some sort of a slightly better cover for a minus four i think that's kind of worth it um against what i just said uh just because dunk's fixtures are so bad that he could easily end up with zero so if i get four then it at least pays it back and anything i get on top of that would be a bonus if i get mawson at least as the goal threat for example um, so there's a theme to each pod. Last time it was the Arctic Monkeys. Uh, well done, Joe Prenter, who got in there first. And uh, yeah, j- just to reiterate who we are again, um, we are Who Got The Assist. You can find us at whogotassist.com and at WGTA underscore FPL on Twitter. Yeah, and if you want to join our mini league, uh, better late than never. It's, uh, <laughs> the code is 1538-17403. And we'll be back at some point over the double game week with um, Lee from FPL Family. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Well, thanks, Nick, for coming. I'm sure you want to try to get a nap in now if Moses is asleep. Yeah, I'm going to get a little bit of sleep, hopefully. But it's probably going to be another sleep this night for me, unfortunately. Oh, dear. Well, listeners, thanks very much for tuning in. We hope this assisted you. Yeah, thanks, guys. Cheers. Goodbye. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Sports Social Podcast Network.